All right, we're back. Uh, hunting season's over, so we finally got Drake back in the building. And we're going to do a little season update. Probably more so on Drake's side of things. A fair chunk of my hunting revolved around a project which is still yet to be completed or released. So I'm more of the boring subject today. So <laughs> well, from a business standpoint, why, why, what's the reason not to tease that right now or not to talk about uh, it? Right now? Well, we just use part of it. Well, the whole film ideally or in the first place, like the idea was an archery film mm -hmm. and we were using Matthew's prototype or this year's bows now or whatever next year. I don't know what you call it. Is it a 2022 or is it a 2021? No, yeah. they just they, launched. They them. release it the year prior for the next year. But I had the Atlas and Andrew had the V3, and so we couldn't post any of the content when it was like relevant. Yeah. So at this point, we're just saving the content that we build around that film. Yeah. For when you for when it. we actually release it. Cool. Yeah. No sense in building the hype up now because it's like you can't. Yeah. Share like anything for that story will get told in January, and it's like, eh, just wait. Just wait till you tell the story. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we kind of did that on purpose. Um, just because, you know, there's not much going on in January, February, March. It's just nice to kind of like yeah. keep the hunting hype alive. Totally. So. Yeah. Uh, but your season was different probably. It was different. What was your first hunt? Oh, like from August on. I don't know if you did anything before that, but. Normally, I would have spent, so, so whatever, flashback to a year ago, so 2019, summer 2019, I spent like 60 straight days in Canada mm. photographing, filming, well, mainly just photographing hunts, uh, Northwest Territories and British Columbia. Um, and this year, because of COVID, like all, you know, borders yeah. shut down, everything, like my, my, um, I had lots of trips basically just get canceled, so, and like no nothing replacing them so you're just out there picking flowers so i'm just out there picking <laughs> flowers and catching fish and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so no so my well pretty much all summer my uh i did some work but for the most part it was just like playing super hard in montana and uh pl planning a few projects for the fall and so come um i think like august 1st actually uh started a project for Matthews. So they, they do a proving grounds uh, video series yep. with a bunch of different people. So I shot a proving grounds with Brett saying him and I went to Utah and did, uh, a archery mule deer hunt, high country mule deer hunt. How'd you guys get hooked up on that? That actually goes back quite a ways. So, um, probably flashback five years ago, whenever I started vlogging, maybe four years ago. So I started vlogging purely as a way, kind of as a, creative outlet as well as a way to kind of prove like hey i'm capable of shooting videos and i did that and um like brands started reaching out to me about shooting video projects for them and so like vlogging which is purely a passion project like led to video work and like now i, I do as, as much video work as i do photo work um so that's kind of where it, where it was rooted and the sick of gear actually like three years ago reached out to me and said hey like Brett is going down, Brett Sang is going down to do an Ibex hunt in New mm -hmm. Mexico, and we really want to do a video, like a little series on him. Yeah. And they, they had, had me do that. And so that was the first project I ever did with Brett. And then so Brett drew this tag, and he's like, hey, we're, we're probably going to do a, a V3 video. Like, you and I work together really, really well. You know, love to spend 10 days on the mountain with you. So, so that's that's where that was kind of rooted. Um, and... Uh, so I suppose he reached out to Matthews first and said, Hey, I would love to shoot improving grounds. And, and then he connected me. Like I, I'm already working with Matthews. So it was yeah. kind of a natural, natural fit in that regard. But the opportunity really came because I started vlogging four years ago and it led to me shooting videos. Vlog life. Vlog life. You got TikTok yet? No, I've never <laughs> dabbled, dude. I thought Trump banned it. So I wasn't, I was just like, Oh, that's just an excuse not to, but I still people still see people posting. I have no idea yeah, what's going on. I don't know. I don't either. I, don't really I hear about it. Now on instagram about <laughs> it uh so anyway how, how so did that project go you guys, it was you guys killed a buck we killed a buck on the 10th day our 10th and our last day of the hunt so yeah we went down we did uh three days of scouting with a driving day on either end and then we shot i think like two or three days of like prep type footage with the new bow so like 
you receive the bow, it's a brand new prototype. Like when yeah. you receive it, it's it's in a box and like the name is is whited out with yeah. uh um just white out. And so like we don't even know what this thing is. Like he didn't even know what it was called. So it's like yeah. the the true like I video like the unveiling and like literally we don't know what this bow is called as so he pulls it out. It's like, oh sweet, V three, cool. Um so yeah, so you like film the Film the receiving it, film setting it up, film shooting it, paper tuning it, showing how easy it is to set these things up, which it actually is. And then, uh, yeah, then some target shooting, and then we went hunting. And nice. Yeah, it was a high country mule deer hunt, and it was pretty new to both him and I, and went to an area that I'd never been to, never heard anything about it. The same with him. And he had some people like, oh, man, I'm, I'm going to like – tell you like give you some tips and pointers and like tell you where all the deer are at and he's like no 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 i want i want this to like truly be like like i want to figure it out and like go off of what i learned through hunting over mm -hmm. the last whatever 20 years yeah and we did that and like right off the bat we we're finding lots of deer and like nice. some pretty nice bucks and so so we scouted for three days and then we came back um i don't know what was the season start on that one august 15th i guess yeah so then we hunted 10 straight days and um yeah, it was cool. It was fun. Made a made a fun video, and Brett is a super. He's just like a hilarious character. Oh, he's yeah. just full of all sorts of funny things. And super charismatic. Very charismatic. Awesome to film. Yeah. And so you know his his charisma really carried that piece. So, oh yeah. Um, he's easy. Just point the camera at him and record. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, some people I like have to put words in their mouth. Yeah. Brett's just like. Blah, 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 blah. He's like, what do you think about this? And like before I even <laughs> say anything, he's just like. Okay, I got it. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it's epic. Um, like, it, I, I had 16 hours of footage, and it was a it was a it was a challenge to cut oh, that yeah, down. Cause like at, at one point, I had, I cut it down to 30 minutes, and it's all like, like Good. which parts do we cut? Yeah, it's all like pretty fun and cool, and there's lots of value add stuff in it as well. And he he had some fun shots where he'd like he'd put a he had a GoPro mount. It, it's the it's the GoPro mount that um, surfers use. Yeah, and you bite they actually, on. Yeah, they bite on it. You put it in your mouth. But it's just it provides a little bit better view than like the one on your hat. Mm -hmm. It's also a little more smooth. So he he had like that all on on a lot of the stocks, mm. and um, yeah, just got lots of kind of unique perspectives. Um, so yeah, that was a fun project and nice. kind of like what you're saying with the project you're working on. Like couldn't tease that at all yep. until they released it. Yep. You know, a couple weeks ago. So. So yeah, I did that project, and then I came home and uh, What'd you shoot it on um, Sony A seven R threes and my iPhone. What lenses? Um, Proprietary info. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this hunt, so weight weight was an issue on this hunt. So we had to pack all our own water. This mountain range was completely dry. Yep. The entire, I think where we spent... Did, where the animals get the water? That's the crazy thing. We talked, we ran into some locals up there and we're asking them the same thing. Because there's like, there's a lot of deer way up high elevation, but we couldn't, there was no water 2,000, within 2,000 feet of the top. And these guys had trail cameras kind of set up and, they, and yeah. they were saying that, you know, every three or four days, these deer will do loops. Hmm. I couldn't believe it. I was like, no, we see these same buck on the same thing every single day. Like, yeah. no way. They're just getting out of the grass. But hmm. hard to say. I don't, I don't know enough about them, but, but they were... Animals I mean, are crazy. Yeah, insane. And they're like, oh, they probably just do it at night. I'm like, Jesus. I mean, they're making like these six-mile loops every night. Just in, in like mega cougar terrain territory. So anyway, yeah, shot it on A7R3s and then lots of phone scope footage with my iPhone. Yeah. Um, lenses I was rocking. So Okay, so we had to pack our own water. And 10 days worth of water when we're going through. It was like 90 to 100. I think our hottest day was 104. Oh, wow. You're just sweating your tail off. Especially, I'm a white guy and very... That's <laughs> Hide not, that's not, me from the sun. That's not a racist <laughs> comment at all. But, like, I just like cold weather. Yeah, yeah, I like cool weather. I'm not a hot weather person at all. Um, so, yeah, we're going through four liters of water a day. And so, we, we had to... We had to restock water once. I, I dropped down the mountain. I came back up with like, it was like a 60 pound load of water, but just so much water that we were like, okay, something's got to give just a little. Because, mm -hmm. like, and we, we were riding motorbikes quite a ways up too. And like, I think like the first night we rode up with 80 pounds. So riding 80 pounds with, on a dirt bike yeah. is hard. Like 80 pounds, I mean, that's more than half my, or that that's oh, yeah. a little more than, than half my body weight. Yeah. 
So so anyway, so the lenses I primarily used was 16 to 35, and then I had the 50, yeah. and which I didn't actually film with that one that much, but it's kind of a specialty lens. You get really cool nighttime stuff because yeah. it's, it's a 51.8, and then the uh, 70 to 200. Word. So kept it pretty simple. I also yeah. had uh, my Swarovski spotting scope. It's the oh, yeah. 95 mil, 70 to 30 to 70 power with phone scope. So I was able to basically all the deer footage was, was with that. Um, and uh, I, I had my, I brought my binos on that one. So in Utah and a handful of other states, you can use radios. You can use two-way communication to help guide someone in potentially. Yep. Um, some people think that's cheating. It isn't really that much more helpful it's still extremely extremely hard yeah. to kill an animal spot and stock even yeah. with the help of radios um so anyway so i brought my binos as a way to help you know to, to kind of see the playing field and help help guide brett in did a little bit the buck he ended up killing on on day 10 did it all himself yeah we just there was a couple there was actually there was like 10 bucks um just right down the ridge from where we were camped in the morning and they were feeding up right to this ridge so brett ran down on the back side of the ridge Wind was bad and everything, but he just did it so quick that I think by the time the wind hit him, he was already at full draw, and the deer were just like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> kind of in their summer pattern, didn't really yeah. have the fear God put him in put in them yet. No, they stood there for an extra little bit. Yeah, and then he yeah, he plugged one with the new bow. And Heck, uh, yeah, it was cool. It was it was a fun project and challenging, and the, the editing was, was challenging just because there was so much great footage, So, which is a great problem to have. So. I hate editing. That's where I'm at right now, and it's <laughs> horrible. I bet we have. I don't even want to. I mean, there's got to be over 100 hours of footage. Oh, my God, dude. I <sighs> went through it all. <laughs> you have? I went through all of it. Do you watch it all at kind of a fast speed? Yeah, I get pretty streamlined. Yeah. Knowing what I'm looking for, but. Yeah. Did you shoot it all? No. Gotcha. No, so uh, the stuff you shot, you probably have a pretty good idea of what's what. Yeah. I was there for all of it, though. Okay. So I know yeah. most of what's yeah. going on. Do that initial filtering process. Yeah, That's nightmare. the most time-consuming and boring part. And Woo! Yeah, it's a grind. Once you start actually playing with fun stuff, then it's like, this is sweet. I love yeah. it. I love Even just like getting the stage one of playing with stuff, though, is so hard. Oh, it takes forever. Because yeah. you can make, you could start making the film so many different ways. Yeah. And you, once you start, you kind of want it to be good because you don't really want to have to start over again if you're like, eh. Yeah. But, so then what did you do after Utah? After Utah, I hunted my freaking face off. Mm. <clears throat> I'd love to so, that. Yeah, it was great. And I, uh, yeah, I just didn't have really any photography projects going just because of COVID. So I was like, okay, sweet, doing stuff at home, which is which I was thrilled about. But I, I was still doing a little bit of work. I I shot a few Instagram stories of my personal hunts. So it's like there's a way to make an opportunity out of your own personal hunts. Yeah. Because all the, a lot of these brands are looking for IG story stuff of hunts, and if you can shoot in a cool way or whatever, like awesome. And so I I was actually hunting elk out of a tree stand for the first like ten days of season, which is pretty unique, and I had some really rad opportunities and got some cool footage of like a bunch of elk streaming underneath my stand at like yep. eight yards. And like, it was my, it was my second day ever tree stand hunting or, or for elk anyway. Um, and so, yeah. And then on this, my 17th day of archery elk hunting, I killed basically the, I think he's the biggest bull I'd seen all season. So I, nice. Yeah. I am pretty sure this is, this is a great problem, but I have a huge stack of shed antlers in my bedroom. I think there's like, 20 some and at the very bottom i think i've got his a match set off of him from two years ago oh wow so i i've looked i i've got a bunch of photos of that set and he looks identical huh well short little fronts and everything else pretty big real heavy um but uh yeah so i shot an instagram story on that that whole hunt and what made you want to do the tree stand just the way to hunt it just as a way like so all my years of archery elk hunting, I don't know how many years I've been hunting elk with a bow, but since I was 16, basically, so, yeah, probably 16 years. Um, just, like, cutting elk off and, like, getting ahead of them, it's just, it's so hard. Mm. Like, I, I do it, and I, that's basically how I've killed every single elk that I've killed. 
but I feel like nine times out of ten, I just blow it. And yeah. I blow all the elk out of the country, and I, like, ruin that area for a couple of days until they, like, come back to their normal pattern again. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, what's a what's a more non-obtrusive way to hunt these things? And they're, and they're fairly patternable, especially – well, actually, from where, where I was at, they were kind of doing the same thing all year. Um, I would say the first week of September. It would be awesome if you're hunting Utah because you can hunt them starting August 15th in a lot of places. Yeah. The bulls are extremely patternable then, oh, yeah. and like, but once September hits, they start kind of doing their pre-rut oh, yeah. stuff and start going crazy. But, but yeah, so I hunted over out of a tree stand and kind of hunted a couple really prominent feeding areas as well as like some wallows, basically, mm-hmm. or little watering holes, and had quite a bit of action. And if I didn't have action right below me, there was like a bugle, you know, just right up above or how below come, me. How come the bull never came through? I got winded, man. <laughs> no. Every time I got so it's which is crazy. So my I think how come did you ever think about putting a ground blind in? I did, but at this time point, I was already game. committed. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, yeah. You and I talked this summer, I think, and you were talking about ground blind. I was yeah. like, oh, why did I just buy freaking four tree stands and do all this? God, <laughs> God, it spent like two grand on tree yeah. stand crap. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Future, I think. That's I all right. Next blind. year, you can try the ground blind. Yeah. Yeah, I might. See if it works better. Totally. Then it'd be a good test. Yeah. Ground blind just gives you more options, and I think it would control your scent more potentially. I so, yeah. I just, yeah. It's just, you could sleep in it. That's the other thing is like you always leave a scent trail. So like mm-hmm. when I would walk into my stand, I would always walk a particular route because yeah. like I, I had a decent idea of where the elk were bedding and where they were going to come in. So I would like go way the heck around that and like try to swoop around. And then, of course, the elk would decide to come from a different route. Mm-hmm. And like I was spraying elk pee on my shoes and like, I mean, I was leaving my shoes out. I was doing as much scent control as I know. Yeah, which isn't that much, but <laughs> um, but I was like making sure not to like I, I was doing my best to try to not leave any scent trails, and of course those elk would come in a different route and it's they, I mean they would hit that scent trail and I'd be up in the tree for like for five hours they would hit that scent trail and like instantly be like oh shit, and they would boogie yeah so it was it was tricky you must be stinky dude or I don't hyperactive know. Oh, I, I I killed a bull off a wallow where we didn't think about where we walked in we kind of walked in right next to and through the wallow and that bull definitely hit where we had walked and just locked up yeah it was that really old bull that I shot okay and like he like looks you know he's like that's human yeah but for whatever reason it wasn't enough scent <laughs> or he felt comfortable or whatever and he went about his business eventually and I shot him but Jeez. It was right then and there. I was like, Arr! if you're sitting, you definitely don't want to walk in that like 100, 200 yard perimeter, at least of where you would expect an elk to come in to get a shot opportunity. Yeah. Even further in your case, but. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so I, I had a, I had one night, it was either my second or third night, but I was up in the tree and, um, I, I, I walked, I went way the heck around. I walked in perfect and sure as heck, here comes all these elk with half hour daylight left. And, um, I, you can just hear them. And like, I'm up in the tree and I, I was just like, it was pretty warm, but you know, as soon as the sun goes down, it starts to get cool. And so if, if you're nervous and you're a little bit chilly, the shakes oh, yeah. come in hardcore. <laughs> like I've been around elk so many stinking <laughs> times. I, I've, I've never shaken that hard in my life. And here comes a bunch of cows. And then in the back, I, I can see this bull. And he's he's one that I've, I've seen before. He's just a really nice big six-pointer, super heavy. and But he's just, like, chasing cows, doing his thing. And here comes the first cow. Then then some calves come. And, like, before I know it, they're, like, I, I ranged one, and it was eight yards. Yeah. And, but, and like, I mean, I could have I unclipped from my tree stand and jumped out. Like, it was so cool to look down on those things. And I ended up having uh, 13 cows and calves walk right underneath my stand and like not a care in the world. And I was so confident I was going to kill a bull. Cause I was like, of course he's going to follow. Mm-hmm. And he had one cow that he was apparently, she must've been a hot cow and he was running after her. And then finally she came over and she started to come up the drainage towards, um, those other cows and cows that were in front of me. She was at 25 yards and the bulls right behind her, but right behind a bush. Mm. And I could see him just, just like, Oh, and she instantly puts her nose up, and she knows something's uh. not right. And like, but all these other cows walked right through my scent trail. And like, my wind's blowing right at them too. Uh. And yeah, she knew it was up and raised the red flag. So. Didn't get the opportunity. 
<laughs> no, but it was epic. So. so you finally killed an elk because you got aggressive. I got very aggressive. Yeah, it was, oh, it was my last aggressive night. with elk. <laughs> I also I was hunting with my girlfriend and uh, she actually gave me a haircut right before. Mm-hmm. So I had a I had a full on mop which I kind of do now, but it, it was so long that sometimes it would it would drop in front of my eye and it was it was causing issues with me looking through my peep. There was too much <laughs> hair in the way. It's like God, jeez. So yeah, so she cut my hair. I'm surprised and you didn't just like hack like a spot. I know, out just, there. just like <laughs> just for she could cheat your bow. Just put a bowl on my head and cut around the corner. But uh, yeah, I got super aggressive, and yeah, it was it was one of the crazier nights of rutting action I've ever seen. There was so many bulls that popped into this big meadow, and I literally I basically started running at this one, mm-hmm. but I but I was in a draw. And I just went as fast as I could. And I was I was blowing elk left and right as I was getting, working my way to them. But there was so much rut activity they that, like, they, they weren't paying attention. Or if, if something would blow, they just thought, oh, there must be a fight or something. I mean, I think there was, like, 15 bulls in this group. Crazy. There was, there was like, 15 cows, too. So it was kind of funny. Like, yeah. the bull-to-cow ratio on that day was Good. quite quite even. <laughs> um, anyway, so I, I got in. I probably got to 100 yards from this bull. And he's got all his cows, and his cows see me at this point. I'm right in the bottom of this this little draw. I mean, I, the draw is five feet deep, so yeah. not much. And I, I'm kind of belly crawling, and but like going as fast as I possibly can to get in tight. So I'm in, I'm in pretty tight, probably 100 yards out. All of a sudden, this little raghorn starts walking right towards me. He doesn't know I'm there. He's just kind of gonna go walk across coolly. And I'm like, ah, oh, crap. So I pull up my phone and I'm filming this raghorn. He's walking right at me. He's at like 10 yards. And all of a sudden, I hear this, like this really strong bugle. And I'm like, what is that? And I like look to my left, and here comes the big giant herd bull. And he's running over to chase off this raghorn. And I'm like, as I'm filming, I'm like, oh, <laughs> crap. So I just like Put throw my down. phone into my pocket really quick, and I turn. And at this point, the raghorn sees me, and he's staring at me. And then the big bull, he stops, and I range him. And my range finder is like 50. Or no, sorry, my rangefinder said 80, and then he, he came a little further, then all of a sudden my rangefinder said 50. And I was like, well, that's not right. He was just at 80, and he, he only walked like two steps. So I ranged again, 50, range again, 50. I'm like, I, like, I wasn't believing it. And I was like, all right, he's 50. And I'm like, I got a pin for that. And, yeah, I, uh, I'm shooting uh, uh, lighted knocks this mm-hmm. year, and it was pretty incredible to – yeah, watch that arrow, just this big giant blue light just and go <laughs> perfect. I mean That's awesome. I don't yeah. I've I've shot a lot of elk and it seems more more often than not well, I don't know. Sometimes they drop in sight, sometimes yeah. bad things happen, sometimes you know, you do everything you can to make a perfect shot. Yeah, but and you it, can't be perfect. Yeah, you can't but like that arrow just happened to go in the exactly the perfect one. spot. Nice. Yeah. He then runs across the coulee and runs about eight yards and tipped over and was dead in 20 seconds. And I watched the whole yeah. thing. It was epic. So, and then my girlfriend was like right behind me. She was <laughs> she was just down the draw, probably 200 yards, and she saw the whole thing go down. So that was pretty That's cool. Sweet. I've I've never actually killed an elk with somebody else there. So that was that was pretty That's neat. Sweet. But her and I got really close into some elk like the prior day. Um, we had we had two bulls. We were we were kind of into the same herd. We were just kind of trailing that herd through some dark timber and. We had two bulls. Um, she's never killed a, she never killed a, a bull elk at that point. Um, but they, uh, yeah, they came. They, we had one at like ten yards and one at fifteen, but the underbrush was way too thick, couldn't get a shot. Mm. And she's just shaking away. So that that was pretty cool to see. Nice. Like I've been around a lot of elk, but to see, you know, have someone a little bit newer to it, that, that was pretty special. But so. she was shaking like you in the tree stand. And she's like, <laughs> "Holy shit! Holy shit! Holy!" <laughs> Pardon the the s word but it was yeah it was pretty epic so yeah she was shaking nice so. so dude you killed the biggest bull man what is there to look forward to next year you better hope the little ones grow up <laughs> well so as i was running up this draw there was like one bush in the draw and all of a sudden this bush like blows up and there's an elk right behind it and this elk goes runs and off runs off and he, he's something's funky with this bull and finally he turns and i realize he's basically got an extra main beam hmm. and i'm like oh my god what is that how did I not see that thing? Like, beautiful, beautiful yeah. bull. I, d- I don't know if he's still alive, but I saw him um, two days before the last day of rifle season. Mm, nice. And so um, – Probably made it. Hopefully. But yeah, he's he's like a – I don't know. He's probably like a 310 six-point, but then he's just got this extra main beam. It, it actually comes off of his – it's like his third. His third is like hmm. like 40 inches long, and then it's got an extra Whoa. thing. 
So. Dang. But like mainframe, like 310, but you add all the extras, he's probably, probably yeah. a, up 350 plus. Just with, it, it doesn't matter. He's I love he's character. Cool. He's super cool. So, so that, that's what's. Uh, so you got to find him now. Yeah. Somewhere in the middle of all that, I've shot an antelope with my bow. Nice. That was pretty cool. And then, uh, yeah, and then uh, in early rifle season, went down to Colorado and did an Anyone's Hunt film series series for Onyx. Loophole was also a sponsor. Um, and, I mean, the concept of that series is uh, basically share hunting opportunities that are available to anyone and um, show people, well, basically, like, hunting out of state hunting in state even is like the barriers to entry are huge. Like just like trying to figure it out. Like the knowledge, mm -hmm. like how do you even get a tag? Like yeah. it's complicated. And it's even complicated for me, like trying to figure out these other states and these other hunting opportunities. And so that's, that's kind of the, the barrier to entry that I want to try to knock down with some of these things. And so this tag, it's, it was a, uh, it was an over the counter rifle elk tag in Colorado. Um, never been there before, never hunted Colorado before completely never want to hunt Colorado ever again <laughs> <laughs> it was a pretty unique year so there was a bunch of wildfires um that shut down a bunch of forests like entirely and so like a lot of these forests that, that got shut down all the hunters that were in those areas then all flocked to this one unit that we were in and in hindsight we I mean we would have hunted a different unit but I had already gotten a film permit and like we couldn't yeah we were kind of stuck there whatever you could fudge it and go hunt somewhere else and yeah. you know, still got the film permit but it's like I just don't even want to mess with yeah. that and we, you know, I'd spend a bunch of time e-scouting and stuff. So, like, we wanted to kind of see it through. But there was everybody we talked to were like, oh, my God, there's so many people this year. Usually, like, I don't see anybody for five miles. And, yeah, there was so many people. There was hundreds. That elk unit will be limited entry next year because there's no elk left. <laughs> yeah, gosh. Yeah, my buddy. So, I went down there with Jordan Gill, Connor Gabbett, and myself, and then uh, hired Nick Marciando, who's he's actually, he's actually one of the original um, – uh, THP students, yep. hunting photographer yep. students. Um, so yeah, super, it was, it was cool to f connect with him and hire him and he came down and filmed and photographed and, um, did awesome. And, but yeah, the hunting was pretty crappy, but it was a cool story. I mean, yeah. we didn't, we, we saw two bull elk that Connor and I actually bumped him. And then about 20 seconds later, a volley of gunshots. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. They both got killed. And we, so we, we walked up on the one that got killed. And, uh, and the hunters. You didn't mess with them. Be like, hey, yeah, we shot this bull. <laughs> like, you're welcome. We spooked him right to you. <laughs> Did we get half of them? Yeah, we got half. <laughs> so. You wouldn't kill him if we wouldn't have spooked him. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that's that's the way she goes with, especially a project like that, where it's yeah. like, no, we're, we're going. We have no we have no idea what to expect, but we're going to share the, the story of it. Mm. So I, I would do it again. I think obviously we had a lot, a lot of things going against us primarily with the wildfires shutting down the units. Yeah. Um, cause it's like, you couldn't even like hunt how we want to hunt because everywhere you'd go, like, Oh, there's another person. Oh, there's another person. And I'm like, Oh, these people are all trying to hike past all the other hunters and there's just everywhere. Oh. And, um, yeah, that was, that was frustrating. That was a different experience for sure. It makes you really appreciate having the mountains to yourself. So I hate Colorado. I don't, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> I hated it this year. <laughs> yeah, you and Brady went down, right? Yeah, we went to Colorado. There's not much to talk about. <laughs> we didn't see much. How many days did you guys spend looking for muleys? Uh, I was there for six. I think I saw like 15 deer the whole trip. Wow. That all was in like the last day and a half. Huh. I think we went for four and a half days out seeing a deer. We saw a couple bucks. The first day from the trailhead when we went back to the truck. You guys are hiking too far. No. They got a big snowstorm that pushed. It's all like summering deer is what you're kind of hunting. Okay. And they either push into another adjacent unit or they go a lot lower in the unit. And so the snowstorm, I think, just pushed them out of that high top country and into the timber or off yep. elsewhere. Yeah. Because we looked at gorgeous gorgeous country backpacking in eight plus miles getting up to where we weren't seeing anyone else yeah on the vantage points binos on tripod spotting scopes brady knows the way around mule deer i've killed some mule deer like i consider myself an average hunter at least and like we just 
weren't seeing deer. We yeah. saw some. I saw one bull elk that I wish I had a muzzleloader tag for. <laughs> um, and some mountain goats and some other stuff. But yeah, it was pretty rough. Definitely not an exciting way to spend six days, especially when it's in September and you're an elk hunter. You're just like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? Were you just doing that as a personal hunt? Yeah. We were, we were, we were going to potentially film it, but it was all wilderness. Oh. And the guy that manages that area couldn't even tell me if what we were going to do was commercial or not. He's like, oh yeah, well. I don't know. I mean, I have to see it. I'd probably just go do it. I was like, probably just go do it. Doesn't help me out, bro. Yeah. Like, I just need to know if this is commercial or not. Because if it's commercial, we can't get a permit in wilderness. Yeah. Eventually, I was like, dude, let's just go hunting, man. Like, yeah, whatever. that's what we wanted to do in the first place. Yeah. So we just went hunting, which is good. But yeah, Brady stayed another couple days. Saw some other deer that were like borderline and he never ended up shooting anything so i remember seeing those photos it was like summer and you're like way up in a bunch of deep snow i was like where the heck Mm -hmm. is he (laughs) yeah i feel like i went winter camping a whole bunch this year (laughs) even before rifle season (laughs) but uh you gotta hunt mule deer quite a bit this year even though you didn't even shoot one didn't shoot one i was telling drake he's a traitor well, I was thinking of that deer Spend we saw last year. All that time. <laughs> I was going to shoot there. that big three-point. Oh, now you're going to shoot him oh, this yeah. year. Oh, I was like. Everybody that I've ever showed that deer said that you should have shot him. I know I should have. Oh, man. Yeah, no, so I hunted hunted uh, muleys both in the mountains and the prairie and spent, I don't know, probably 10 or 12 days doing that. Saw nope. a lot. I found the biggest set of mule deer sheds I've ever found. So that was cool. Yeah. In a hellhole of a spot. Um, but uh, yeah, so that, that was cool. I mean, when I found those, I was like, holy crap. It's just cool to know that animals like that do exist. And, oh, yeah. And they exist in really, really gnarly places. Oh, yeah. They probably exist other places too, but they definitely exist in I would love. I would love to get a lineup of all those big buck, old bucks that are surviving and like, there's like one buck for every like 40 square miles yeah. like that. Just like, it's like straight up dinosaurs out there in the mountains. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, uh, the deer I did end up shooting. Well, so two, two days prior to that, I hiked 23 miles for muleys and I actually saw 18 different bucks. So I was in, I was into a lot of deer mm-hmm. and, uh, but nothing, nothing quite what I yep. was after. And then, so then I, I left that next day and drove to a different different area. And then the next morning, like 10 minutes into first shooting light, probably 300 yards from my truck, I shoot like my biggest whitetail yeah. I've ever shot. So <laughs> looked at the thing for about a half second, my binos, and I just like, I could have I filmed him through the phone skull. I could have done all these things because these, these deer had no idea. I just dropped down and pulled up the tripod or the bipod as quick as I could and just was like, boom, yep. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of funny how it goes yeah. you know put in all this effort in one place and then kill a deer you just roll into the next spot and just whack one yeah like, oh, that oh, that's it <laughs> yeah man there was some big deer that got killed in montana there is yeah there, there was so don't go hunt in eastern montana next year i know yeah you see everyone that everyone and their cousin really is going to be here in montana now yeah for like a year or two until all that age class gets shot out and then it's just freaking <laughs> it's got to be just a bunch of two points running around for people to be like uh, yeah let's not come here yeah again. but it's it's rough out there it's tough to be a deer especially in the prairie country so now now what dude now i'm uh i'm doing full-time vlog life again so that's that's fun i uh yeah, so this year, from a work standpoint, didn't do. I mean, I did a few few cool projects for sure, but like, like I had like eight eight like uh, out of the country international trips got canceled. Yep. And it was going to be a huge part of my year. And so as a result, and I I don't really know what the future is with me on some of these things, and it's just it's out of my control, right? Yeah. So it's like okay, worry about things you control, you can control, and the rest will just be what it'll be. And so. So yeah, so I'm like, okay, I want to work on a passion project slash something that's I love doing, and that's vlogging. 
And so, um, yeah, I've been hitting that super hard pretty much all fall. And, uh, yeah, the next couple of weeks we'll be jamming on edits on those, and we're going to start launching them on January 1. Nice. So Actually, January 3rd, because January 1 is like a Friday. And it's mm. like, eh, you got you to like optimize the day. You're going to you know? hit him with that Sunday night. I am. Mm. Yeah. That's a good time. Yeah. So Sunday night, what, blogs. What do you want to do in 2021? You got any goals? Goals in 2021? Um, I mean, I don't know. Do more cool projects with cool people, you know, instead of like, like, maybe not instead of, but like this project did with, with Brett. I mean, he's just such a charismatic human. He's just fun to be out there with in the mountains. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, there's, there's so much synergy created yeah. when you're with people like that. So, yeah. um, obviously we don't, you know, as photographers and content creators, you don't always have that privilege, but if you can choose who you go with and the more, you know, if you spend 10 years doing it, you're going to like have this a crew of people that you go do stuff with that you're going to mm-hmm. get epic stuff. Yeah. So I would, I would love to do, you know, more stuff with him. Um, I'd love to just keep vlogging my face off um, regarding the photography stuff. I mean, it's just totally dependent on what COVID does with For travel. Sure. Yeah. And so, and right now with some of the, some of the brands I work with, it's definitely caused it's just the international travel issues. And that's a, what a lot of what I've done in the past. So, yep. so it's like, yeah, get, get more homey, do more, do more things a bit more locally. So, um, yeah, as far as goals, I mean, yeah, just kind of like what I said, do more things that are that I'm passionate about, and I want to hunt more for myself, just because like there's nothing finer, and I, I I get this a lot from just being a photographer and it's just spending time in the mountains. There's nothing better, yeah, just getting away from it all, and uh, hunting season is like. Like I'm so I'm not busy in hunting season. Yeah. As soon as hunting season ends, massive craziness is just wild. But like all hunting season, life's just simple and easy. And I'm like, I need more of that in my life. And I, I to be honest, I do have a lot of that in my life because I spend a lot of time. Yeah, you spend time. In the spring, I'm shed hunting my face off, and I just bought a I bought a camper a couple years ago. So I mean, I geez, spent so many days just living in that thing. So I I can't complain. So basically, do more of the same, and continue to try to do things that both inspire me and inspire other people. Nice. If I'm not inspired, then what's the point, right? Oh yeah. You should do the stuff that you want to do. Yeah. So that's when the best stuff happens. Totally. And it, it's, it's some people might view that as kind of a selfish pursuit, but it's like, but like you say, that's when the best stuff happens. That's when your best yeah. work is created. So, well, just doing it for at least for the reasons that are true to you. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a self-centered project, right. but doing it because there's a reason inside of you that you made you want to do that work yeah. All. yeah yeah totally nice i also want to have some more i mean just more self-accountability of i mean simple stuff get up every day get up yeah. go hike do, just every day just like be more intentional with what you do in life so we're getting deep now what about you have a better back have a better back 21 yes damn right yeah you yeah. can do it uh i really want to find an arrow of Nice mountain mule deer in Montana. Arrow one. First week of season. Cool. Don't know if it's going to happen. Oh, dude. That's really hard. (laughs) (laughs) I like doing all the really hard things for whatever reason. I'm drawn to them. The things that have really low success rates and are the worst as far as like being successful. But. That just makes you such a badass. Content. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I just, I just, I just want to do it. I, I just, I don't know. I've, there's certain things in life that I've just wanted to do in certain ways. And sometimes they're like the hard ways. I just, that's what gets me stoked. Like anybody I knew that went out and killed mountain mule deer with their bow in Montana. Like I want to go hunt with that dude. Yeah. You know, like, so why not? Like if that's the dude I want to hunt, hunt with, like if that's the thing that I th- me personally thinks is badass, I should go do that. Yeah. And learn it. Like I know nothing about it. Like I've found a few mature mountain mule deer in rifle season. I've scouted for them and I've only seen a couple in the summer up high. I know where they live. It's just putting eyes on them. Yeah. So it's like I just like mountain mule deer hunting and 
Steep learning curves are addictive, man. I totally. think like learning that or trying to figure that out will just be another piece of the puzzle of like understanding them better. Yeah. And I think it's cool from a content perspective. It's kind of like, it's like full, full risk reward. Like if you do it, you're like coming out on top looking yep. like a savage. <laughs> and if you don't, you're like, well, that sucks. That yep. was really dumb. You hiked a lot and didn't really see anything, but <laughs> like, good job. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I'd be totally happy with if it went that way. Uh, I do want to focus on mule deer more next year. I really want to just continue uh, to like build awesome content for Stone Glacier and like try to find ways to build content that's like awesome for people to like, that people are excited to watch, but also is like valuable on the brand side of things. Mm -hmm. um, which is totally doable. I mean, there's so many ways to like educate and get people stoked and like that both of those are benefits people that watch that kind of content and then yeah just keep working like i'm in a pretty sweet position because i'm a photographer and i did all the freelance stuff and now i gotta work with like a group of photographers most of which i already knew or mentored at some point mm -hmm. you know like i work with sam averitt and calvin connor who are like some of our first interns way back in the day and yeah, like sweet. you know we gave them <laughs> a little bit of experience there at the beginning and they've run with it and then you know uh i get to work with jordan gill who's a freaking stud and some other uh photographers david frame and just like there's a bunch of good people uh and then like nate over at mountain tough next door to us like there's just a bunch of guys that i all gotta spend some time with this year out in the field and like help them on the video front and, and understand what we wanted from a brand perspective and like shooting new product and all that so like take it to year two and try to like make it that much better yep. this is exciting from more of a professional side of things uh from like me being kind of a meathead i want to <laughs> i want to bench press 225 10 times yeah you know how the nfl boys do the combine nope and they yeah okay so <laughs> Uh, there's always the NFL combine for like dudes getting into the league or whatever. I don't know when they do this test. Like a, like a farming combine? What do, what do you mean? No, but like, <laughs> I think it's part of like, uh, you know, when they run like the 40 yard dash, yep. that shit, certain positions have to bench 225 gotcha. for like how many reps. Gotcha. And I think those like O-line dudes are putting it up like 40 plus. Gotcha. Anyways, I just like doing a lot of strength training in the off season. Yep. Like, a, I have way more energy. I'm a better human to be around. I feel better. Like, you end up looking better. You're stronger. You're f like, for me, there's just w too many benefits not to work out. And it gives me a good, like, achievable mark. Like, yeah. I weigh 205. So even if I did 205 10 times, it's like, that's my own body weight. Yeah. I can lift my own body off myself 10 times. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty achievable, like, realistic... Like, I have good strength as a human being. Yeah. If if another one of me fell on top of me, I could bench press it off of me. Yeah. You know, like, I don't think it's, like, and nine anything more crazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I'd be like, that was nothing, bro. <laughs> and then I'd rep it out <laughs> nine more. <laughs> but I think just sometimes giving yourself a goal like that helps you stay focused. Yeah. And obviously, it'll have other residual benefits. Where sometimes if you don't set a goal like that, even though it might be kind of laughable in some capacity, like you're much more prone to slacking off. Totally. And not quite pushing it. No. If like you just have a goal of that, just working out. That's like, nothing. You got to I don't need, I can barely probably go put up 225 once right now. So it's like I have to be pretty strategic in like how I work towards that goal. And it'll probably be like four or six months, you know? And so that just like fall, f like that discipline flows into other avenues of your life, which is good. You should be a life coach. I don't think I should be a life coach. Oh, I wish I could life coach myself. <laughs> that's deep. That is that's, the that's ultimate. Deep, when you can life coach yourself, yeah. that's when you've got it all figured out. Huh. Um, I have, I think it's always good to do something new. 
I do have one creative project that I want to do. I'll tell you about it, Drake, but I probably won't mention it on the podcast just because I like to keep that stuff low-key. Yeah. Uh, dude, I want to buy an iPad. I wish I had more time to draw. I wish I could <laughs> learn to play the guitar. <laughs> oh, and I, I so changed it So you draw on the iPad. Well, yeah, I would draw on the iPad because, come on, let's get with technology. Oh, dude, have you seen the stuff? Li- well, I'm sure you've seen yeah. the stuff. Wow. It's yeah. insane. There's all an iPad I Pro. used to draw and, and paint and do some, like, more artistic stuff when I was in, like, middle school, and then I just stopped doing it. You use the so I have, like, a that. foundational, like, you'd probably have to give me a few days, but. Yeah. If I got a couple of days, bust out, you know, the pen and pencil, I'd be back to like some mediocrity. Cool. You know, uh, I'd be in that average first time drawer zone. <laughs> you can deliver value there. Totally. Everybody can draw something that's of value. I I just, I also think about it as more like, you know how like people like read every day or that routine. I just wonder what it would be like if you drew one thing once a week. Yeah. Like, if you're a creative individual, which we're in a creative field, like, what would that... Your brain has to think different to make a drawing, right? Totally. Yeah, dude. It's almost like the drawing, it's not so much about the drawing, and now we're getting deep again. It's more about, like, making your brain do something it's not used to. Yeah. Yeah, break away from the mold, yeah. I've said this in photography a lot. It's like, I I went on so many sheep hunts and, like, would be on so many sheep kills that I... I got into a rhythm where I would shoot the same photo of the same dead animal, but with yep. a different person. And I, and I, I got stuck in that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like drawing or doing something that takes you completely away from that. It's a really good brain exercise. I have some film ideas that I haven't seen anyone do. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I'll do them next year. Obviously I'm not going to say what those ideas are. Uh, oh, the guitar. I wanted to play the guitar first, but then I thought it'd be doper to play a banjo. Mm. It's smaller. You can travel with it. <laughs> Because I was always like, that'd be dope, man. If you were out, like, bow hunting, you got back to the truck. Sometimes, like, hunting sucked that morning, right? Yeah. You get back and you got, like, four hours. I could, like, play the banjo for, like, 30 minutes. Yeah. And sing some funny songs. Everybody <laughs> would laugh. Like, that'd be good for the contents, too. <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> it all I mean, comes back to content. Even if, even if, you <laughs> well, I would do harmonica? it without the content. But, yeah, the harmonica, dude, dudes that are good on the harmonica are dope. Oh, it's insane. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. So, I don't know. I have, I have the few goals. Archery, mountain, mule deer, I do want to try to achieve that. And then the 225, repping it out 10 times. And then the other things are, like, less tangible but professional, like, video content type things. Yeah. And learning a banjo. I don't know if that's a next year thing. As Warren Miller says, if you don't do something this year, you'll be one year older when you do. I know. But there's only so much time in the day, too. And there's only so many days in your life. I know, but you can't do it all. (laughs) You really can't. Yeah, I try to sometimes, man. Oh. My goal is to not set up a new bow next year or a new rifle. That'll save a lot of time. (laughs) That would. I got to say one, this is a, this, I feel bad for even saying this, but like working in the industry, working with these archery or gun manufacturers, like you often get sent the new products right before season Mm -hmm. and they want content created around these new products. So like actually two days before I shot my elk, I got the new Matthews V3. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I'm not like, it takes time to set. Like you got to yeah. build like a rapport with your bow. Mm-hmm. And it's like every year that happens or every, you know, sometimes it's three days before season starts yep. and you're like, Oh crap, I got to get this thing set up. And it's, it's a pain. Yep. And by the time you build like a connection with your bow and you start to build confidence in it. Oh, time to switch out, get a new bow. It's like, yeah. like this. I just, yeah. I just want to shoot a bow for like the next five years. Totally. Man. The crazy thing is they're all so dang good. And it's kind of, it's like, how, how can they make something better? And if, yeah. if they do, how much better is it? I, probably, I mean, I'm not they, getting enough shot to really tell. Well. But it's all better. I mean, it always gets They're definitely better. Yeah. I remember, you go back five years? Oh, man, dude. I remember two years ago, I got the new bow. I was like, there's, there's not going to be that much better. What can they do? Like, that last bow was pretty dope. Yeah. And I was like, hmm. Like, <laughs> damn. Like, less shock. Quiet, sounds quieter. Yeah. Like, shit, it's better. I will say this new Matthews V3, it hucks an arrow 
quite a bit faster than the old one at the same poundage. Yeah. And it's a little bit lighter. But weight actually isn't a thing with me with bows or rifles because weight usually means is like helps steady you. More shootability. More shootability. So like, yeah, even with light bows, like PSE, I think maybe makes the lightest bow right now. It's a little carbon thing. Maybe it's Hoyt. I can't remember. But it it is stupid light. But like you try to hold that thing steady, (laughs) you just add a bunch of weight to it and different stabilizers. So it's like at the end of the day, (laughs) yeah, you want a heavier bow. So Um, anyway. You shooting the hinge still? Shooting the hinge. Oh, another goal is to... I didn't get any opportunities with my bow. I did feel very ready. I was more prepared this year than I've been in at least a couple years. Shot the bow a ton. But I still have a little mental... I have some mental game issues with the bow. I'm not fully free of the target panic. And we're going to beat that one of these days. Yeah. Dude, get a hinge. So I, well, I It'll... had the hinge. I shot the hinge pretty well. I shot it for about... Mm, I started shooting it, I think, in like May. Oh, and you switched like, to a... Well in advance. Don't, like Don't switch back, yeah. Like, like hey, I'm going to shoot the hinge and like learn it, the whole thing. It might have even been before May. It might have been in April. I was like, this is plenty of time, especially how much I'm going to shoot. Yeah. Anyways, I just got to the point where the hinge started getting stuck. Same thing. I learned the mechanism of, of oh. shooting the hinge really well without focusing, not needing my pin to be exactly where it needed to be. Shooting well, but I needed to have both elements where I was yeah. able to focus on my pin or my aim. Yeah. Probably not so much my pin. That's where you get target panics when you focus on your pin, but just aiming, try to like really focus my aiming in, yep. and then the hinge started like not going off. Yeah, because I still haven't beat in my head that like it's okay that it's there. Like that's where it's gonna, that's where it needs to be. Yep, mm-hmm, that's good. <laughs> Keep pulling. So, so I'd get stuck, and then I'd just turn. And, oh, you would force and it. fire and I force see. the hinge to go. Yeah, that off. is the thing with hinges. I mean, it, it's kind of like a massive trigger, and that you can mm-hmm. just rotate your whole wrist oh, yeah. and it will go off. Oh, it, you can shoot it. Yeah, <laughs> you can punch it as hard as the yeah. thumb or finger release. A couple times, I will practice that way, just so that I I know yeah. if I need to make a shot go, I can just kind of whoop. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's not a nat. It's not as easy of a movement. It's not as natural of a movement as just slamming the trigger with your tip of your finger. So yeah, but yeah, I, I haven't I haven't anticipated the shot yet with mine, but I, I can see that man. Like, yeah, drawing them. Actually, I gotta say, the last two years I've been shooting the hinge, and I shot basically yeah two elk and two antelope, and not once did I rush the shot or anything. I just mm-hmm. settled on it, and it was just like pull, 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 punk. It was sweet. And I've yeah. never experienced that in my life. Usually the pin's on it, and I, like, get this massive rush. Mm-hmm. And I still get the rush, but I just I just keep pulling, keep pulling, keep yeah. pulling, and it just yeah. goes. It's It was really cool. But anyway, I'm sorry that. Yeah. So that didn't quite work out. <laughs> I went back to my thumb and just knew I was going to be shooting it, you know. But I can shoot that well. Yeah, yeah. It's not as good as shooting the hinge shooting a like surprise release and holding on target but if you shoot your bow enough you can slap it on the target and slap the trigger and still know how to get it to go right where it needs to go yeah i'm more especially especially if you only shoot like i'm not shooting a ton of arrows i'm shooting like 15 arrows a day okay or like the first three four five i can hold it right there slap that trigger and it's going in the sweet spot yeah you know (laughs) yeah i mean at the end of the day it doesn't matter it's 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 more of that jerking off target or avoiding the center not so much activating the release yeah you know if you're not anticipating it grabbing your bow and i used to hold when i had well with with any any trigger release i'll do this but i'll I'll hold my pin directly above the target Mm -hmm. so say you're focused on the dot you know Say it's yep. a, say you're focusing on a dot at 20 yards. I will hold six inches above that dot, and, and I'll just keep holding, and my mind will not let me drop it down. And mm-hmm. then suddenly I will, and then my finger will come zinging Ding. around and whack, <laughs> and it's uh, you actually like I got pretty dang good at doing yeah. it. Like well, I could I could shoot pretty dang accurately out to like 100 yards doing that, just yeah. like drop quick and slam, and it's like oh, oh yeah. Jesus, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. 
I'm shooting good today, boys. Yeah. I know. Yeah, that was a sick group, huh? Yeah, that happened to go yeah that's one thing I want to reprogram <laughs> my whole process is I've always, for whatever reason, just never thought about it when I started, and I always came up to target. Oh. It's a lot harder to pick your boat up yeah, dude. than to let it down a little bit. Yeah. Well, not if you got biceps and like you, but no, it doesn't matter, dude. <laughs> you everybody gets tired, dude, and yeah, I feel like it's easier to get stuck low than a little bit high, high, and like let it come down naturally. Huh. So I think I'm gonna do that for two reasons, just because it might be easier to get it on target, and it's gonna just break my brain up. Yeah, yeah, change it up. Basically, you're gonna do whatever I tell you to do. Yeah, one tip. So. Uh, Amanda Caldwell used to be my neighbor and her and I would go sh- shoot our bows together a bunch and I had crazy target panic and one tip she actually showed me was take a big black like a square piece of tape or just you know take some duct tape or whatever and just like make a little square say like a six by inch square shoot it at 20 yards and like your pin's so big that it's just going to float around inside the middle and like yeah. when I did that and I was shooting just a regular uh, index finger release like I didn't have target panic yeah. I could keep the pin in the middle of that thing the entire time and it's like it, it something changed in my head just shooting at a big, big giant square black blob. Mm-hmm. The other thing, I, I don't have target panic. I didn't have target panic when I'd shoot it like a big round bale with a little tiny dot on it because the, because the target was so big. Mm-hmm. It's something in my mind just kind of like relaxed and didn't, yeah. focus, didn't allow me to focus so much on the dot. I also, I, don't have, I didn't have target panic when I would shoot at like 3D targets. Because yeah. there's not a spot that you're, there's not like one little dot that you're focused on. You're just yeah. kind of focused on an area. Yeah. So yeah, you're just going to change stuff in your mind. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> Anyways, I don't want to shoot a new bow here unless there's some really good incentive to probably about 98% sure I won't. Uh, <laughs> I say that and then I will. <laughs> I really don't want to because ideally I would like stop shooting any kind of target other than a 3D in like June. Yeah. You know, yeah, and just shoot 3Ds. I mean, I shot 3Ds half dozen times out in the woods before hunting season this year. That's cool. As like I just, I used to do that more, and then I kind of got away from it, and I was like, I need to do that more often. Like I drove up highlight one day, and I literally shot, I think three shots. Hmm. Like I just walked my little mini elk Reinhardt out there, and I shot three hunting scenario shots and made three great shots and left. Cool. It's like you're only gonna need one. Yeah. The fact that I just made three is a good confidence booster. If I do that a couple more times. Yeah. Or you know, whatever. Yeah. It's that repetition that like sometimes will trip you up for a season. Yeah. Yeah. You start totally. being like, oh, why was that group off? Or like, and then you start overanalyzing yeah. stuff when it's like nothing's changed, homeboy. Yeah. No, you just need to focus on yeah. You first gotta shot. make one shot out there. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Functional training. I'm going to do more functional training with my rifle. No more. I don't know. Both of my guns are sighted in. I know the, cur- the curves are all validated. I just need to shoot them more. Yeah. I'd like to focus on building or doing more shooting, uh, like like building shooting positions or rest. Or, you know, like like if you're trying to shoot a car, like on what you were talking about mm-hmm. earlier, shooting your bullets. Like if you're in a Everybody can shoot pretty dang good if you're set up prone in a perfect position. But mm-hmm. in hunting, you rarely get that. Yep. Even if you can set up prone, half the time there's a freaking sagebrush bush in front of you. So it's like, what do you do? How do, how do you build up a shooting position that's super solid and accurate? Because, yeah, I, I think a majority of people that shoot rifles especially, it's like you just go to the range and get it sighted in on a yeah. lead sled and then you go hunting. But it's like no. once you're out in the field – it's a totally different ball game. So learning how to shoot off your pack, learning how to oh, yeah. build or build a, a really sweet shooting position in an awkward slope. Like, yeah, that'd be fun. I, I know yeah. a lot of these shooting courses and stuff, or not the shooting courses, the shooting competitions, they like at the different stations, they set you up in a really precarious place mm-hmm. and you got like, all right, you got two minutes to make yeah. the shot, build it. Yep. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. I went and shot my rifles on Saturday. Did you really? Wow. Mm-hmm. There's no off season, bro. <laughs> sure, there is. Yeah, there really no, is. No, there is not. I'm going to Arizona in two weeks. I'll have to invite so. you. I'm gonna set up. I'm gonna set up like a shoot, like an informal, like homies shoot. Nice. But we'll there'll be like three targets. There'll be like stages. 
we'll shoot at least two or three stages, but there'll be like three targets on a stage where you have to like shoot one, move, shoot another one, move. I got to figure out what the metric is. It'll all be timed. But we went out and shot like that with those special operations guys last year, myself and Andrew Whitney. Oh, yeah. And like, it's just such good training. Cool. You don't think about like, what's your process when you like have a target in front of you that you want to shoot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> it just even in the process of like dialing your scope, setting your s zoom, like when do you rack one in the r chamber? Like the whole process should be like an efficient yeah. streamlined muscle memory type of thing where it's definitely not for me and most people right now. Well, especially gun hunting. Like, I mean, nobody, sh very few people shoot their gun a lot. They, yeah. you know, you might shoot a lot. Of, I, I mean, I used to do it. I'd shoot my gun three times a year to make sure it was sighted oh. in. And that was it. And then I go hunt. It makes do people. Oh. This is one thing that I want to do is, is it's my own personal, like, I just want to be better with the rifle, but I want to document some of the process and, and build some content around it because I feel like, I mean, the long range thing hasn't really been new, but it's like more and more accessible to people. Yeah. And I don't think like Instagram's such a garbage platform for like showing any of the work that gets put into stuff. Yeah, totally. And it's like, dude, I shoot my gun so much and I don't even feel like, like I feel like I'm just barely figuring it out, mm -hmm. let alone the people that like, Yo, yeah, I'm going to go buy a new gun, 28 Nosler. Yeah, the back of the Hornady box ammo said there was 32 inches to drop at four. You know, like, <laughs> dude, there are so many. There's so many things. Yep. Even when you've got it all dialed on the range, then to go into a field scenario, like, and that's like what I was talking with you about that one position that I had to shoot out of this year was like, Sometimes you're going to shoot out of like the worst position you can find in the field yeah. or like a really poor one. Yeah. And how often did you practice? Like I've probably shot, you know, 15 or 20 rounds just out during rifle hunting season this year at rocks and stuff in the field. Really? Just wow. to like get that practice and that repetition yeah. in. Saturday, went and shot my gun out in the field. Like I want to go do more like time stuff because that's one way to induce like a level of stress, mm -hmm. you know, like it's That's not realistic it's in the hunting's world, dude. It's not the same as an animal being there, but it does yeah. induce some stress. Yeah. Like yeah. how fast can I do this? Yeah. And then you bobble something up and then you're, you know what I mean? It throws you off. So it does help you out. But yeah, like just the way you address a gun and like how you lay on a pack, how you like, where do you lay your gun on something? How does like pressure on your stock or your barrel affect your accuracy at long distances? Like yep. wind, do you have any comprehension of like, how often do you go shoot in the wind? Yeah. Cause there are plenty of days where the wind was ripping out mountain mule deer hunting. And I'd like to be able to make a 400 yard shot in a 20 mile an hour wind. Yeah. I can't right now, yeah. but on a non windy day in the mountains, a 400 yard shot's a chip shot. Oh yeah. But if the wind's blowing 20, yeah, you're out of it. You're out of it. Where you could feasibly have spent enough time with your rifle to be in the game. Yeah. Or like the ability to like, you know, we jumped a buck up this year that I passed on, but he was out there at probably 250. How quick if you jump a buck and he, you literally have 30 seconds. Yeah. Can you build a rest yep. good enough to make that shot? Because you're not going to shoot 250 yards offhand. Yeah. Where's your gun at? Where, like, <laughs> there's a lot of things that people don't practice, and it's yeah. hard to practice all the situations. But yeah. But have being in that mindset to be yeah. able to build a shooting position is like yeah pretty huge. Yeah. Well, even when we went out with those special ops guys, like he showed us some ways to like build a shooting platform that was. It seems so intuitive, but I never thought of it. Yeah. Like if you have two trekking poles and you know how they have like the wrist sling, mm -hmm. if you loop them over each other, it makes a cradle. Oh, yeah. And now you have shooting sticks. Oh, wow. And so if you set those up really quick, take your backpack off and put it under your kneeled down and put it under the back of your rifle, yeah. you have a front and back rest from the kneeling position. Yeah. Wow. It's like little stuff that if you don't go out and practice, you never think about. But Yeah. Wow. <laughs> cool. Or you can use the shooting sticks, you know, like – if you're on a downhill slope 
and having to shoot like level or up. Yep. Again, you can set those up so that you can shoot. Totally. Like, it's just. 2021, hopefully there's no COVID bullshit. Yep. That's a goal. <laughs> I can't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Well, let's call her. We bored the kids to sleep. When are you going to be back in town, Drake? Mm, I'm around the next 10 days. Oh, you might get some more podcasts in, though. So, Your next leaving next Friday. Arizona. And then I'm gone until February. Oh my goodness. So yeah, we're gonna How be are you gone that long? Uh so my, my parents actually they they do the snowbird thing and they go down to Arizona every every winter. So we're gonna go down there, um, see them, but then hunt deer and javelina. Hunt hunt deer in, in the rest of December and then starting January one I have a javelina tag and and the twenty twenty one deer tag. So hunt that and then on what, January. All of January? Basically, yeah. <laughs> and then uh We'll be shooting lots of logs. Oh. And then on... Uh, How does he have so much time, you guys? I don't know. I feel so busy. I'm so busy right now. How are you busy? You're going hunting for a month straight. Well, it's all the things we got to do <laughs> to get ready so I can go do that. And then... Uh, but then January 20th to the 30th, going down to Mexico to go photograph and film a desert sheep hunt, desert bighorn nice. sheep hunt with a private client. So. Yeah. so, yeah. Back on the work, the, this, the regular work front, if you may. Nice. And right, then it'll be shed season before we know it. So just and then you'll be out in the woods for 60 straight days. Yeah, and I'll be gone again. So. All uh, right. Well, I'm going to try to wrangle them again in on another podcast. So hopefully these last couple will keep you guys happy. I don't know what uh, how else to say it. Happy as a clam. Yeah. Happy as a clam. All righty. We out. <laughs>